At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Support for WABE comes from Capital Good Fund, introducing Georgia Bright Solar Lease Program, a new rooftop solar initiative designed to create pathways to equitable and inclusive solar, sustainability, and monthly savings for Georgians. Learn more at georgiabright.org. Welcome back to another week of political breakfast and another loss for the Falcons, sad to say. One of the worst today, ever. Of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can't get over it. Can't get over it. That's Brian Robinson uh, chiming in there. Theron hadn't said anything yet, shaking his head over this this latest loss here. They're still, what, second place in their division, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that's so disappointing about Lisa is that, you know, shout out to... Make sure I get his name right here. I actually just picked him up on my fantasy, B-Rob. The quarterback from the Minnesota Vikings, I actually only been on the team for, like... A few days. Five days. days. Yeah. Five yeah. days. Joshua Dobbs. He's out of Marietta. Played high school football there. Went to Tennessee. You know, got picked up on the trade deadline. and came in and and really, I think, that just, you know, I saw when the quarterback went down from the Vikings, I said, man, I don't know if I want Dobbs to come in and did a good job. But, yeah, you're right, Lisa. We're still second place. And they got to go to Arizona this week. And then we got to buy. So, I think, again, I'm still I'm – still, positive. I think we can beat the Saints. I think we can beat Carolina. And I'm sorry, that's Tyson in the background. Oh, hey, Tyson. <laughs> hey, Tyson. He Tyson crying engage. about the Falcons, too, right? I think Joshua Dobbs actually was the Tennessee quarterback who threw a long, long touchdown against Georgia back in the early Kirby Smart ah. days to beat us with a last-minute heartbreaking touchdown. Now, granted, that Tennessee's had a pretty bad run against us ever since then. But while Theron is out getting Tyson, let me say on Thursday night, I spoke Georgia politics down in Savannah with a meeting for the Georgia Association of Manufacturers. It was a very receptive crowd, some political breakfast fans. That was one of the things that was discussed in uh, my introduction, and they highly encouraged the members to subscribe. So if any of you who were there Thursday have subscribed and are listening for the first time, welcome. It's great to be with you down in Savannah. And Also, I wanted to point out, since last week we talked about Judge Steve Jones and the Voting Rights Act case, I wanted to point out that I ended up with him at the Georgia game on Saturday. As I mentioned last week, he's a damn good dog, and he was incredibly gracious. And I thought it was like, hey, we've been talking about you. We've been talking about you. I know, I know. So, but he he was great, and we were able to witness a really, really good Georgia win against a strong Missouri team on Saturday. Big one coming up on Ole Miss. Yeah, blah, blah, blah with the dogs. Go dogs, go dogs, go dogs. (laughs) Look at Tyson there. Hey, Tyson. Tyson has joined us for this edition of Political Breakfast. Say hello to everybody. Hello, yeah, sitting on dad's lap there. What, what do y'all think about Donald Trump? He, he was pretty vocal in court this week, being himself, so that's not surprising. But I don't know, when does all this stop? When does all of this stop? This is some pretty important stuff he's, he's facing here. Well, I think the pressure is on, Lisa. I mean, let's just call it what it was. It was probably the most disruptive 
we've seen the former president of the United States in a courtroom arguing with a judge. I mean, prior to the argument, just going just ballistic and after the attorney general from New York. But this is something that we all know that you know, lawyers and legal counsel always you know, have to respect the judge. And sometimes the judge will you know, get a little back and forth with uh, people. But what we saw was just really despicable. And I think that the pressure is on. I think the indictments are finally starting to mount against this former president. And then, look, somebody who's holding his son right now who refuses to let me be great on this podcast. But, you know, when your children get involved, his children now are starting to have to go testify and they being called his you know, son-in-law. And so just, you know, for all our listeners, these are very educated listeners. I mean, just go and pull the script. But some of the things that he was saying, the interruptions and the and, and threats. I mean, it was just it was just really despicable for a former president who was vying to be the president again to just dis, disrespect the justice system and disrespect the judge that he did. So, but I, but I'm not shocked because this is the Donald Trump that we all know, and this could possibly be the Republican yeah. nominee. Republicans have to be tiring of this. The numbers mm-hmm. certainly don't suggest that's the case, and in fact, the numbers suggest that Americans are set to reelect him as president. I say reelect even though he's not the incumbent. The numbers that have come out over the last week have been startling. Joe Biden won last time because he won all the swing states, Nevada, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan. And in all of those, except for in Wisconsin, Donald Trump has leads. And in Georgia, he's got the biggest lead of them all, except for Nevada. And that is striking So all of this noise is happening, and you don't see voters expressing an opinion on it. None of this stuff in court, these theatrics that Theron is talking about, and I'll let Theron give give his opinion on how Trump is behaving. I'm just going to look at the politics of it, and I don't see any of this moving the needle. I don't see any of these felony indictments making a difference to voters. Voters are saying the economy is not good. I blame Joe Biden's policies for making my life worse off. I was better off under Trump. And Joe Biden is too old, and I do not think that he can do the job of president over the next four years. I'm using the first person there, but I'm speaking for voters. That's what we're seeing in the numbers. These things that are happening in court are of great interest to the media, and, and I think they are important. They are objectively important. But I don't see them sinking in with the electorate at this juncture. What's disappointing, Lisa, is what you just heard is is an act of denial. And, you know, I know <laughs> Brian's heart. I know that Brian doesn't support. And I just want to read a report, a, a literally a former president yelling at a judge, not for one minute, but several minutes, right, disrupting, you know, a, a process. Brian, you can't agree with that. But you, this is a political podcast, right? You got to come on and be the Republican. But what it is, it, what it shows me, Lisa— is that there are many more millions of Bryans out there that are willing to turn their head to ignore this 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 conduct and mis, this misconduct and this behavior from a man that they unfortunately created. They created this monster, right? And and so I believe that we'll get into the poll here in just a second that voters will decide again that we cannot reelect or elect a man that is going to do those type of things. You know, we've been we've been very fair to the former president on this podcast. Look, innocent and proven guilty. One of my favorite terms, don't rush to judgment. But <laughs> when you're literally disrupting and just lying and 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 doing the things that he's doing, I think that 
the way Joe Biden has conducted himself is going to do this. And the other thing is, Lisa, real quick, you know, I had the honor and pleasure to to celebrate 15 years of my president. And it's, Joe Biden's my president, too, but also Barack Obama. 15 years ago, this man was elected. And he went through so much hell from Republicans, calling him everything. To say the guy wasn't uh, even an American, questioning his citizenship, birth certificate. They call him Total monkeys. Disrespect. They call him white yeah. monkeys, apes. Wow. Total disrespect, right? What did he do 15 years later? He got on that stage in Chicago, spoke to almost 4,000 alumni. I was so happy to be around the best and the brightest and the smartest people in the world who all elected a president, something that I'm one of the few people that have actually done that in this state. And even when he could have went after Trump, even when he could have actually been mean and said things, he said what? Let's bring the country together. Let's focus on the future. Let's do it moving forward. And so I just believe that what you just heard is is sad, and it's really um, not the country that I believe that we are, that Republicans are willing to just ignore, disregard, and say, you know what? Oh, well, the poll's not showing. So what, we all know this, B-Rod. The polls at this point will change, right? And is it good for Biden? Not really. But is it terrible? Absolutely not. Trump has been dominating the airwaves. He's been the person that everybody's been talking about. And honestly, I think there's a pathway to victory for the for, for the president of the United States, because once he starts zeroing in on what he's done for the economy, the Biden economics that are actually working, we'll get into that later. I think we'll be fine. But, yeah, it's just sad that Republicans will ignore. And, and Barack Obama, let me just bring it home, would have never done that. If Barack Obama was standing trial right now because he is a honest man, he's a man of character, he believes in the core, he would have never done that. But the sad thing is that. This former president is getting away with it with his Republican base. And I just think that they are ignoring it and they want their country back so bad that they're willing to support a soon-to-be, I believe, convicted former president of the United States. I'm not really sure what they're responding to there. What I said was the theatrics that he's talking about aren't sinking in in the polls. They're not moving the needle. Americans don't like Donald Trump or Joe Biden. They don't want either one of them to run for for re-election. But right now, the numbers don't lie. Now, we can, we can get into the poll. I do want to dig a little further in to get to Theron's point about why we why these numbers can and will change over the next year. But for right now, Americans don't think Bidenomics is working. I think it's odd that the president embraced that term, which made him own this economy that Americans say isn't working very well for them. And Theron talked about his alumni meeting with the former Obama campaigners. I will point out, that one of the most prestigious and well-known of those is David Axelrod, someone of whom uh, I have great respect. He's a very thoughtful uh, voice in American politics, and he is publicly saying Joe Biden needs to step down. He needs to clear the way for someone else, and that is someone who is a trusted voice for Democrats, or should be. The guy has a record of winning. And he's right. If I'm a Democrat, I want Joe Biden to step down. In fact, we're seeing in polling that they're saying they want Biden to step down. But what's most concerning for, for Biden is Theron keeps saying that these are Republicans sticking with Trump. You cannot get to the numbers that Trump has in these polls without independence and people who have voted Democrat in the past. 19% of black Americans say they're going to vote for Trump. I don't know that that number is going to hold. I'll let Theron tear that down. But that's what they're saying in the New York Times poll, 19%. Latinos have support for Biden has dropped precipitously, and support for Trump has gone up by the same margin. So those are some areas where it's not just Republicans 
It is people who have always voted Democrat who are saying we need a change. Putting all this into perspective, though, you're saying the rhetoric doesn't, you know, move the needle at all. And, you know, you've got all this polling taking place. I mean, where does America really stand at this point? Well, I think the American people, from what I'm hearing, and I think the Joe Biden team, you know, Quinn Folks and Michael Tyler, all Georgians, went to national airwaves this this week and really just pushed back on it. And I'm just going to repeat what they said. Number one, this president, President Biden, has a disciplined campaign. They're not going to let one poll sort of rearrange their strategy. They're not going to overcorrect. They believe um, that the polling is is what it is and that Americans right now are hurting. People are wanting to see progress. And I think that this president is doing it. But the one thing I want to just remind our listeners, Lisa, and then I think the polling when people are asked this directly or given this information, just think about where we are right now on November 7th, 2023. Over 13 million new jobs have been created in this country. All right. Over 13 million new jobs have been created by this president. Unemployment is as below 4%. This is a 50-year low, okay? And then other thing that about, if you look at the economy, this president and his administration is pulling off something that a lot of experts thought were possibly impossible. You look at strong growth in the job market, record unemployment lows, you know, unemployment is going through. And this is all while inflation is still kind of getting a little bit better, but it's not where it should be. So he's coming up with innovative ways to basically give the American people the fruits of their labor with economic prosperity that's inclusive to making sure that we keep jobs in America, particularly with manufacturing jobs, um, investment in productivity. You know, Mitch Landrews, who's the senior advisor to the president of the United States, came to the Atlanta Regional Commission breakfast last week. And shout out to Anna Roach and all the people over at ARC for the great work that they did to pull off a great event, but he reminded Georgians of how much money we've gotten because of this president. So real quick, because I know Brian's going to focus on the black and brown voters. Here's what I say. And I've said this on this podcast now, I think, well, for eight years. At the end of the day, black and brown voters will come home. They will basically look at the two candidates, sometimes women and men, men and men, women and women, and they'll look at the Democratic policies and success and versus Republican. And I think that 19% that he's going to throw out there will significantly decrease because tell me this what has donald trump done honestly since he's been ousted out of office since he was beaten by joe biden we got to remember that he got his butt whipped in this in this election right he lost georgia and lost other states but what has donald trump done to get the african-american vote since being beat by joe biden nothing oh well he got indicted or he he came down you know uh, near the jail and basically waved at voters and the people who were watching him going to basically get fingerprinted what has this man done policy-wise for African-Americans to actually say, all right, you know, we're going to leave Joe Biden and go to him. Now, what I tell you is going on is that black men are specifically focusing about safety. They're concerned about the economy. And I think that if those are the things that they're really worried about, of course, you know, they want to make sure their children have a good education and health care. These are things that Joe Biden is leading on. And so what you're going to see from this president is he's been working hard to get things passed. You know, he's dealing with a lot of foreign affair matters right now. But when you put up his record, 13 million jobs, unemployment at an all-time low. Black unemployment, Lisa, black unemployment is the all-time low under this president, not Trump. When you start putting these facts out and you go up against Trump and Trump just want to argue and continue to cut off judges and argue with them and talk bad about women and use certain terms you know, to disrespect people, I think that the American people are going to say, all right, you know what, let's stick with the guy we got. He may be older than we want. He may not be perfect, but, man, he's definitely moving this country in the right direction. You know, I think the idea that American voters, Republican, independents, Democrats, 
are all just waiting to be informed of Trump's behavior and then then they will change their views is is hard to swallow. Americans know what they're getting. And the reason why you're seeing black and brown voters and others and young voters, and I would say Asian voters as well, although uh, the Asian voters aren't broken out in the polling that I've seen, you've seen Biden lose huge amounts of support from 2020. And you're seeing Latinos go from a 60 plus percent Democrat group to 50-50. You're seeing significant growth amongst black voters going toward Republicans, not just Trump. And why is that? It's because despite the macroeconomic data that Farron is citing, and yes, what, what Farron is saying is what national Democrats are saying. Why do y'all keep saying the economy is so bad? We have 4.9% growth last quarter. The stock market has had, has had a great week. Everybody's employed. All that's true, but Americans don't feel it. And the reason why I think that these numbers could change and Republicans don't need to get overconfident and they don't need to start going, acting crazy and coming out with crazy ideas because they think they're a sure thing to win. We've still got to be strategic. We've still got to be smart. We've still got to offer a vision for security in the country and for the economy primarily. We've got to have a good sound plan that Americans can rally behind because to Theron's point, so at some point in time, if we continue to have 4.9% growth, which is tremendous growth, then Americans are going to begin to feel it. But we don't know that. We don't know if they are going to feel it. It may be a bifurcated recovery where certain people are doing great and certain people aren't. I don't know. But if Americans feel the way they do today, next year, Joe Biden's going to lose. Joe Biden is going to lose. And... They've got to shore up their base amongst black and brown people to begin with. But Democrats have a long-term problem. It's not just the economy. Those black and brown voters that are beginning to peel off, yes, they're voting on the economy, but they also think some of the liberal policies on social issues coming out of the Democrats today that are sacrosanct dogma for them, a lot of those voters think that that stuff's crazy. Right. Latin Latinos who get called Latin X by liberals think that's a stupid term. It's not a it's not a term invented by Latinos. And that's just one example of how the left has taken a turn on social issues that is that is losing some of the minority voters that have been such an important part of their coalition. Real quick, Lisa, let me sort of agree and take it a step further than what B. Rob said. It's inflation. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and say what it is. Like, if you think about we on this podcast, I think, you know, I'm not getting in everybody's pocket. You know, I don't know what your account looks like, Lisa and, and Lily, but I think B-Rob <laughs> is doing pretty well. You know, he's drinking Tito's on Halloween and, and blaming <laughs> it on Bobby. Man. He doesn't get a he doesn't get a leader of Tito's anymore. <laughs> but, you know, but I assume that that we are we're doing okay, right? I mean, I don't know. We're, we're living check to check. I think we're able to pay our bills and to make, you know, certain strategic decisions. But there is a part of this country, Lisa, that they're hurting. And and, and I think as, we as Democrats, we got to acknowledge that and don't be afraid to say it. It's not something that Joe Biden did. I mean, we forget Joe Biden inherited this bad economy that was going to the drains because we had a former president who didn't make the necessary decisions to stimulate the economy when COVID was at an all-time high. This is a former president, Donald Trump, who didn't believe that we needed to follow the science. And so the president had to actually stimulate the economy and do some tough spending to get us back on track. So we're seeing that. But it's the inflation. And I think that when Brian talks about people don't feel it, I'm here to say, look, 
and I've said this before, I feel your pain. Like I feel voters' pain. To, you oh, know, when yeah. they go to the grocery stores or go to the gas pumps, you know, go out to restaurants now, things are a little higher. But I do think that this president understands that as well. And it's the inflation. As far as the black and brown voters, I go back to this. All those things that Brian has said, look, every party struggles. Look, Republicans are, are struggling to hold on to white suburban college educated white women, right? They're struggling to hold on to white independent men. A lot of my Republican friends who are sane Republicans say, hey, I can't vote for Trump again. Now, they're not enthusiastic about Biden, but they're like, man, I can't vote for that guy again, right? So how do we get their vote? So the same challenges that we're having on the Democratic side are the reverse. Republicans are having challenges holding on to independent white men and disaffected Republican college-educated suburban women. But now, I will say this, newsflash, for all the people in Ossoff and Warnock and the Democratic Party of Georgia and DNC who likes to listen to this podcast, what this poll did tell me, and this is a news flash to the DNC, the Democratic Party of Georgia, our two U.S. senators, everybody who's going to be working in Georgia, is that we better get more Latinos and African-Americans in leadership positions and make sure that they're talking directly to this constituency base. Because we cannot afford to concede and lose any percentage of Latino and African-American voters to the Republicans. Now, we got to hold on to our white and Asian voters, absolutely, and young people. But we better make sure that we got the right faces the right messengers, the right people with the credibility to double down, quadruple down on that community because Brian and others are trying to basically distort, do everything they can to confuse and tell them, hey, come on over to the Republican Party with all these predominantly white men and we're going to treat you better. Is that what you're saying, Brian? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Look, Joe Biden's problem beyond policy is Americans overwhelmingly, it does not matter what your race or partisan inclination is, think Joe Biden is too old. And and there's no amount of spin, there's no amount of data you can present to tell people anything different. Americans know what they see on the TV. They know. They see mm-hmm. it. I, I was watching him last night, and like he was doing this, this slow shuffle. He looks kind of like he's mildly asleep a little bit, you know? And mumbling and it's you he can't get past it and all of those folks on the biden team that theron mentioned i'm sure they are great professionals but the best campaign team cannot tell voters that they're not seeing what their eyes are seeing and that's the impossible task that is in front of them so theron does what democrats do talk about the visual of trump in court lacerating the judge and and uh, shouting and republicans say judge judge for yourself watch watch president biden in a news conference and i think americans are saying i was better off under president trump than i am under president biden the question is will they feel that way in october of 2024 going into uh, november that is going to be the question BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Darren, is it fair to, to even remotely talk about other options when it comes to the to the Democrats? You know, I re- <laughs> Lisa, that's why you're just a great journalist. You push us. I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you why I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm old school. I come from, you know, the Athens politics with Michael Thurman in the 80s. You know, I then graduated to the city council, Michael Julian Bond, who I used to drive around with his first campaign. You know, I got fired from the city, started running, went out to Cobb County. You know, and the list goes on and on. Went to D.C. as Brian did, worked for John Lewis, Barack you Obama, John You stick by John that Barrow. one candidate. You I just stick don't by believe. that one candidate. Yeah, you got to. So the, 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 the common thread here is I believe there's one president at a time. And we are in a very dangerous situation to not allow Republicans to talk about this president being too old when their candidate, while he's a few years younger, is old too. I mean, one of the reasons why Donald Trump is probably acting now is because he's not beyond his legal challenges, beyond that he is facing some serious felony charges, has been indicted multiple times, is the hell he may be too old, right? I mean, he's, his temper, he's temperamental. What you don't see from Joe Biden is the type of overreaction and the lashing out um, that we see from this former president. So look, Brian has been saying this for months now. Look, I think Uncle Joe is fine, all right? he, he He's in public. He's not going to get up there and dance all around and and be like Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. You know, those guys were president in a younger state of their prime and career. I just think what I'm worried about is, is my president able to surround himself with a cabinet that is not like the former cabinet we saw that all these people who went to jail. You know, the former president was surrounded by a corrupt cabinet, but he surrounded himself by a vice president, a cabinet who is number one priority is to protect the homeland to make sure that we do everything we can to stimulate this economy, keep people safe. And I think that he's doing that. Now, does he need to become a little bit more enthusiastic on the trail? Absolutely. But that's everybody. I would tell Senator Ossoff the same thing. Matter of fact, B-Rob, no, I talked to Senator Ossoff very straight up. Hey, man, people want to know what you're watching on TV. People want to know what you like to eat. What's your favorite tacos place? Like These are the things that I've, I would say to the senator. And it's not... Because he's younger, but like it's because I think that what Brian is saying is their voters now want an Obama like person, they want a Ronald Reagan like person. You know, Killer Mike, shout out to him, reminded us that Republicans always like to talk about you know these things. And if you ask a Republican in Georgia, who's your idol, who's your favorite Republican president, majority of them are going to say Ronald Reagan, right? And Killer Mike reminded me, who, who was Ronald Reagan before he became president? He was an actor, right? Who became a you know, became a governor of a state. But he was an actor. And then, you know, look at Trump. Trump is a reality TV show uh, sensation, right? And so I think that, you know, we as Democrats, we got to, like, go back to the fundamentals of it's okay to have a president who may be a little older than you wanted, but don't compare him to former presidents, but who's stepped up, who's earned this right to be in this moment. But the campaign is going to have to put him in positions to kind of make him cooler. He is cool. Uncle Joe is real cool. He was at Halloween giving away candy. I mean, it was perfect, you know. I mean, it was good. No, he was actually versus Trump tapping people on their little head when they go by. I mean, the guy is is, <laughs> is there. He's engaged. He's He'll be fine. But, you know, B-Rob, I can't make the years go back. I'm rolling with the guy. No, you can't. So, yeah. No, that's I'm rolling right. with him. Yeah. Okay, he's cool, he, right? I mean, I, hey, look, if that's the Democrat argument that Joe Biden's cool, <laughs> that's cool great. and he's sane. Yeah, but we're not sure he's all there, and oh. that is is something that that we see consistent. Yeah. No, you can, you can yeah. y- y'all can push back, but 
we see it consistently in polling. That's what Americans are are seeing there. And, you know, I don't think that Republicans actually today, today's Republicans would say their favorite president was Donald Trump. I, I'm fairly certain that's no, what the Ronald polling. Reagan. I, I don't think that's true. I think it was true 10 <sighs> years ago. And you're right, Ryan. I mean, a lot of them, but I don't think these people who didn't know Ronald Reagan, they're not saying Donald Trump is their former. I mean, no, y'all just forget Repu- about Republicans. George, George Republicans Bush. Do. Republicans. Republicans do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, George Bush is so Bush don't even get Bush don't even get recognized. Not yeah, Daddy Bush. George though, w. Though. No, uh, no, not at all. Not at all. I, and I love George wow. H.W. I love George H.W. Because he was like that. I think he made a big mistake on Iraq, right? I think he's a good man. But I think the Iraq war, it turned out being a turning point in American history that's not going to look good in hindsight. Uh, I also don't like that he ran the deficit up, just like Obama did, mm. just like Trump did. It really bothers me. That's my issue. Let me cut through the spin here and just tell you the truth. If the Republicans nominate a governor, a former cabinet secretary, someone who's not scary, someone who can offer a vision for America's future, they will beat Joe Biden more soundly than we have seen in an American election in a long time because we've had them. They've been so close for years now, like a 52% margin for Obama now counts as a, a pretty big win. And it's uh, that was kind of the same for George W. Bush and his reelect in, in 2004. Yeah, 2004. Yeah. So someone else who came in could beat Biden soundly. And if Trump is the Republican nominee and the Democrats had a nominee like Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who is very sane, competent leader, they would win. So the power is in the hands of the parties to put a candidate forward who can win. Somebody in their 40s, in their 50s who's energetic and dynamic and has a vision for America's future, they would win, period. And I hope Theron would just agree with me because he knows I'm right. (laughs) Just agree with me first. Agree with me first. Both candidates are unwanted by Americans. All right. You you want the real answer. Here you go. No spin. (laughs) No, ain't no spin. Look, again, I just went through this whole list. I believe in loyalty, right? And I believe that once a woman or a man has become the nominee and they've become elected, you got to support the incumbent, right? Brian, I'm dealing with it now. I got some people who want to challenge incumbents in these local elections, right, in Georgia. And, and, and as, you know, people are going out to the polls, I'm like, mm, no, I got to kind of stick with this person <laughs> if I support them. I got people who want to run and, and contest people. So so I guess I'm, I'm saying this to you, this is who I am in my in my fabric, right, in my core. You got to remember this, B-Rock. Give me some credit. I was riding with Joe and got to give Keisha's. Lance bottom some credit on this, right? But she was riding with Joe before. Right? She, she was the first to call it. She was the first, first to call it. You know? looking at her like, and, and I was the one that I wasn't telling her, don't go, yeah. Uncle Joe. I was just like, yeah. Keisha, woo, yeah. that's early on. Lady, you know? She did it, yeah. So early on, right? So so when I say this, Brian, I made a fundamental decision to be with Joe Biden early on in the race. Now, Cory Booker, my bald head brother from mm-hmm. another mother, mm-hmm. is my guy. I love myself some Kamala Harris. But Joe earned it. All right, boom. Fast forward, he's here now. I just don't think he's done anything wrong enough for Democrats to be out here publicly talking about we need another person because of Republicans talking about his age. That's it. Now, you know, this is just life. You know, Chris Womack, the CEO of Southern Company, gave a great quote by Bobby Jones. And you're going to like this, uh, Brian. He said, Bobby Jones, our great, you know, historic Hall of Fame golfer in Georgia, who all these golf courses are named after, said that life is like the game of golf. Sometimes you hit good shots and you get bad breaks. Sometimes you hit bad shots and you get good breaks. But at the end of the day, 
you always play the ball where it lies, right? So right now, I believe that my president has hit a 400-yard drive, and now it's it's our job to make sure that the second shot gets on the green and we just can't three-putt, right? And so my thing is I can't choose who we're going to be riding with once the, the, the game is already on because, I mean, he's there. I just don't think he's as bad as Republicans trying to make him out to be. And then, look, I can't control his age. I mean, he is – his age. But I think that what I'm hearing and what I've seen, he loves his country. He's sane. He is running for re-election. He's got a lot of money. We forgot that point. He's he's one of the best fundraisers we have. If you were to hypothetically throw someone in the race right now, woman or man, I don't think they can raise the money quick enough to basically go up against a Donald Trump. And so I just think that, you know, we got to ride with means the guy. Less. That I, means less. That means less than a presidential, though, because people... Uh, we got to have uh, money, man. I think it's paramount have, in the well, you got to have money, but it means less than it does in, say, a congressional where you're not getting any media coverage. In a presidential, people are much more likely to base their opinion on what they read about the person, what they're watching themselves, and why they don't watch candidates and other races because it's not served up to them. And, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. We're all going to go to our corners once the nominations are over. But Joe Biden is the weakest possible candidate that could get nominated for the Democrats right now. Yeah. No. Even Kamala Harris is polling better according to the New York Times, which, which I have a hard time believing. But yeah. No, he's, he's in bad I know you ain't gonna shout Kamala on the show because you don't no, give her no. No, love. no. no. Yeah. She she would get beat. She would get beat too. She would get yeah, beat too. No, no. I cannot let this because I yeah, know these national DC yeah. folks listen yeah. to this podcast. No, Joe Biden is our is he's our guy, he's our horse, he's our nominee. And we riding with him, and he's gonna be reelected president. Mark that down, November seventh, two thousand twenty-three. We'll be having this conversation again. <laughs> I understand where Theron's coming from, but let the record show he does agree with me <laughs> that no, no, the, Democrat, no, the Democrats could no, win with no. someone else, and they are gonna have a hard time winning Biden. I think, yeah, I think there are some other Democrats that could beat Donald Trump. Absolutely, yeah. But look, let me say this, B. Rob. What you're not saying is you guys are stuck with Trump because your field is so weak. We won't even be having this Trump conversation about the numbers if some of these other Republican candidates would just step up and say something and, and run a campaign. Yeah, well, they're trying. Um, no, they're not. I mean, Nikki Haley, you don't even hear from her anymore. Your boy uh, down in Florida, DeSantis, I mean, he ain't doing nothing. The only one that stepped up recently was the former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, right, who went after him and, and A.C. Hutchinson, who kind of got booed at a recent Republican rally over the weekend because they just told the truth about Trump. So the one reason why Trump is looking so good right now in the polling is because he's the only option that the Republican have because you have a weak field who won't challenge this man or his mayor. But I'm going to tell you who will challenge him and is going to challenge him, and that is good old Uncle Joe. He's a good debater. We saw that. He handled Trump in the last election. He's not going to stand down to this man. He's not going to let him bully him. He's, and so that's he's another a element. He's that, a terrible debater, and it's going to be even worse no, this time because he's lost, he's lost a step. And one thing we're not seeing in polling yet that's, that's going to come out soon is that Democrats are very divided on Joe Biden's strong pro-Israel stance. I happen to appreciate his strong pro-Israel stance, but I'm not his target group. And that's part of why he's losing a lot of these young voters is they're not all with him on that. Republicans are pretty united on Israel. Democrats are divided. And that's going to be something that if this is an issue 12 months from now, it's going to be a problem for Democrats. No, you know, look, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Now, I, I, no, I this is the John Lewis and me yeah. got to speak up. It, it amazes me that all of a sudden all these Republicans want to be pro-Israel. All right. No, I've been, no, I've been, no, 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 no. Check your record. 
Not like this, though, B-Rob. I mean, I went to Israel in 2013, right? I spent a week over there. Went to Tel Aviv and went to Jerusalem. I'm telling you, when I came back, it was out of my experience. I could not tell you five Republicans that was as pro-Israel then, 10 years ago, than they are now in Georgia. I couldn't, I couldn't name them. We didn't even remember, we didn't even have a, a member in the legislative body at that time. It's just become a part of a talking point that they're using. And that's fine. We all should express ourselves. But I just remember a Democratic Party, a black and Jewish coalition in Georgia that has existed for decades that John Lewis led and was a part of that has been in existence for a very long time. And I just think that, you know, we just got to take the partisanship out of this as much as we can because we have a civil war. We have a regional war going on in this country right now and kids are dying and and i just i just i just think i want to call the republicans out for what it is and i mean tell me if i'm wrong i may be wrong tell me but i just remember i I went to israel myself and governor deal in 2014 no i i I don't i don't agree with your premise at all we've been very pro-israel and a lot of show me the republicans in 2013 and you can do this online show me 10 years ago nathan nathan deal the governor of georgia i said fine yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say Johnny Eisenstein and Taxby Chandler were very big pro-Israel supporters. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Members, okay, that's three. Give me, say, give me two members of Congress. I would say because I can Westmoreland. give you. I would say Lynn Westmoreland. He went to uh, Israel with APAC. Okay. Tom Price. You're wrong. You're just wrong on this. They've been consistently pro-Israel. Period. They just have been. I've been there vocally, vocally. Like I was, they, what are they doing now? They go to they go to Israel with APAC. I went. You don't it's just because you go. Just because you go, it's a free trip. I went because it was kind of free, and I wanted to go, right? Just because you go don't mean that you were like all in with the call. It's a political statement. It's a political statement when you go with that group. It is a show. It is. So let's take the partisanship out of it and just say, but but don't deny. I'm not being partisan. All I'm saying is that polling shows Republicans are united in support for Israel and Democrats are divided. Why is that controversial? That's data. We're not divided. You You all are saying that we're divided. Oh, my gosh. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. You're talking to a Democrat that's going to Israel. Yeah. They've got Jewish friends yeah. that talk to them every saying, day. Look, Democrats have a look. I'm not saying anything controversial. Democrats are divided on this issue in a way Republicans aren't. We have a Palestinian American in the U.S. Congress. We have a Palestinian representative in the state house, right on the Democratic side. That doesn't mean yeah. that we're divided. But that means you know, that we poll- recognize the polling shows you are divided. The polling shows that Biden is losing support amongst Democrats because he's pro- so pro-Israel. I'm not. I'm not giving an opinion. I'm just citing a poll. That's all I'm doing. This okay. is not even okay. an opinion. So, the same way you depend on these polls now in November, I want you to be that dependent on them when it comes next year. Okay, and then don't it's, don't it, don't make a discrepancy of the poll and who did it and who was polled, right? But I'm telling you that I think this is it's real. Now, there are some people that are, are concerned about what Biden is doing to try to unite this country. I, I'm going to give you that. But I, what I was talking about is you're using it as Republicans are just better and more, you, you know, but just stronger on this pro-Israel agenda than Democrats. And I'm just telling you, we've no, been more saying, vocally. No, no. I am saying we are 100 we're, we're more strongly united now, for Israel in this in this battle. That's, that's what because, I said. And, okay. then you went, and, then, and you started talking about 10 years ago. I'm ta- all, all I said was right now. We are strongly united in our support of Israel in a way that Democrats are not right now. All right? It, it, and it's got nothing to do with Sam Olins or 10 years ago, nothing to do. Right now, we are more united in as we head into an election year on this and one you're issue. you're using that as a political talking point of why Trump— I'm not using it. No, not, it's not Joe a talking Biden. point. It's not a talking point. Well, why bring it up? It is— it, it, because we're talking about the 24 election, and I think this matters. That's why. 
I think it matters because Democrats are divided on this, and he's losing support. But stop among trying young to tell I'm a Democrat that's telling you that we're not as divided as you are. I'm, I'm not just speaking Democrat. for me. I'm I'm well, telling you polling shows. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Speak for Democrats, but y'all y'all don't all agree on this. Both y'all had your Wheaties today. We appreciate. We're- well, let's talk about the surplus real quick, and I know we got to go. So, look, Lisa, we got a uh, what is it? A ten billion? Well, yeah, what quickly, is the surplus just quickly, here? yeah, because uh, we are running out of time. Both yeah. of you tell me: uh, is that a sign of good stewardship or or bad stewardship? You got state legislators who have the sixteen billion dollar surplus. What to do with? And and you know, some people are saying, well, you know, this this could have been a lot of for healthcare, our teachers, uh, what have you. So I, just quickly, what what is your opinion on that when, when you look at that? Look, I think this money can be used to expand Medicaid. We've been talking about that for a very long time. You know, we've seen some recent articles um, this week in Georgia about uh, defects in our foster care system. We all agree that there needs some improvements there. We need to definitely make sure we do more investment. I'm not going to point fingers at who did what and did what wrong. Our mental health support while we made strides in that area, there's always more funding that can go towards that. Uh, and then, you know, looking at like how we can improve our education system is is a big thing here in, in Georgia. And then lastly, if you look at what's going on in our corrections facilities, you know, I wrote about it in our Georgia Trend post recently. I, I made it very personal about how I had an uncle who was in jail for over 30 years, basically pretty much all my life until he got out. And hearing the horror stories and just reading about what's going on in our congressional facilities, you know, people should not go to jail and die. People should go to jail and go through a rehabilitation phase in their life and be able to live and not come out with extreme health concerns and be able to be productive citizens when they actually serve their time. And so those are just a a few things that I think that we can use this money for as well. And in the last day, I got to mention this. You know, we talked about this last week with that much money in the surplus. We should have a armed resource security officer in every single school in Georgia, and particularly the elementary schools. And if you can't have them in every school, make sure that you try to have them in as many schools as possible. And so that's another way that I think we can deal with some of the public safety concerns. Brian, that Georgia quickly get in here before we're out of time. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this surplus? A good deed or a bad deed when it comes to our lawmakers? Well, we're much better off when we've got a kitty that we can draw from in future days where revenues won't be as high as they are now. So I think they're going to be good stewards as far as continuing to conservatively budget and make sure that we have money in the future when when revenues dry up, and they will. We know that we're in, a, in an up cycle and there will be a down cycle to come. Governor Kemp has said he wants to loosen the purse strings a little bit but doesn't want to make long-term commitments that are going to cost the state even in those future lean years. But there will be some long-term commitments that we've got to do. One, they're going to need to raise state worker pay once again. That corrections issue that Theron's talking about, those are some very low-paid jobs, and they're dangerous jobs, and the turnover rate is astronomical. You've got to have some experienced people stick around and be leaders in that system in order to achieve the goals that Theron is talking about. We're already number one in the Southeast for teacher pay, but I think there's a commitment to continuing to pay them more on education. I want to see some of that money go toward parent choice so that you can take a portion of the tax dollars attached to your child and put them into a school that might be a better fit than the local zoned public school for you. Everybody should have that opportunity. And we also have noticed in recent months that traffic's kind of inching back up toward pre-COVID levels. 
Our economy is booming here in Georgia, and we are going to have to invest big time in infrastructure, roads, bridges, rail, our ports. All of that is going to be a 30-year plan, and it's going to cost billions to accomplish. And this is the moment where we need to start planning for that because it's not sexy spending the way giving teacher raises is or police pay raises is, but it's something we absolutely have got to do. Those are some big ticket items that I think we need to seize during these good times. Come next week. Uh, we, we thank you all for, for listening and checking in. Brian and Theron, uh really, really, really had your Wheaties today. <laughs> Good, great podcast, <laughs> and uh, we'll check in next week. Go Falcons. Go Dogs. From WABE Studios, the podcast where they read stories is a new children's storytelling podcast featuring notable Atlantans and performers reading classic and contemporary children's books. Each episode contains a story meant to entertain, inspire, and inform young listeners. No screens required. The podcast where they read stories features adaptations from both chapter books and picture books. Join us at wabe.org slash stories podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E. Hey, y'all. I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from WABE. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians, and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at WABE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm -hmm. (laughs) W-A-B-E.